I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie's got her Salem shirt on. I got my ghost face shirt on. Brian, where's your horror swag? It's up to me, Brian. So I spilled pasta sauce, tomato sauce on my shirt, so it looks like blood. Um, if you're watching on this YouTube. This is true. It is real. He really did do that. Wow. It looks like I got shanked. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's that's what I got for you. I'm a, I'm a, messy, I'm a messy boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Gorgeous. Okay, well, then that passes. You, you, you pass the, the swag test. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. All right. For being messy. Uh, okay. So, welcome, guys. Uh, fun episode today. We are knee-deep in October in all the spooky seasons, all the spooky yes. things. Woo! It has been a wonderful time, the greatest time of the year, uh, in my humble opinion. And we're keeping it going. So, today we're talking about the 2020 supernatural horror film, The Dark and the Wicked. I didn't know about any of this. This didn't happen overnight. She had thoughts in her head. They came from somewhere. You came to the house. You were here. You want to understand? No. She didn't believe in God. Never did. None of us do. My mom thought the devil was here. She didn't believe. What does it matter whether he believed? You think the wolf cares? If you believe he's a wolf, not if he finds you alone in the woods. What did you say to her? I told her the truth. You told her your truth. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Well, then I guess the same could be said about you and yours. Wait, we should make sheep sounds. Ah. Goats. <laughs> I couldn't even begin. <clears throat> or chopping noises. Of... Chop, 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 oh, chop. No, not that. <laughs> oh, noises make me squirm, and we'll talk about that. Oh, such a crazy <laughs> scene. Okay, but The Dark and the Wicked, it was directed by and written by a Brian Bertino, and it stars Amarin Ireland, Michael Abbott Jr., Jr. Excuse me, and Xander Berkeley. Now, obviously, heavy spoilers for this. It is streaming on Hulu, so you can go watch it there. And, Jamie, tell us about the trigger warnings. Uh, oh, my God, like everything. There's um, a lot. <laughs> yeah, this is about uh, demons and mm-hmm. possession. So just starting off with that. Also, uh, un- 
unpleasant family dynamics is a mm. is a major theme. That's a so good if you one. have mm-hmm. if you have any like stress around like you know, families that do not get along and there's like a lot of distance and things like that. Estranged families. Um, that's like a major theme in this. Um, there's also a hanging. There's also some, uh, like a lot of self mutilating in a variety of ways. Um, and, uh, some nudity, I think as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also references to, uh, dead children, um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, just a lot of self-harm, like shooting self in head. Um, Oof. also, Zan- uh, Xander Berkeley played Trevor in Candyman, who is Helen's terrible, um, mm. husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have, uh, triggers trigger to Candy from Man. <laughs> Candyman, uh, and Trevor, this is also, we'll do that for you. <laughs> Didn't know. Happy to know. Mm-hmm. That's wow. Wild. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll get into all of that. Of course, discussion about a lot of uh, epically disturbing things. So mm-hmm. if that's not your vibe, you know, maybe skip to another podcast. Listen, we got plenty. We got over a hundred now, guys. So we do. One. I'm very proud of you. We're very proud of us. We're proud of us. Hashtag doing our best. I doing, doing our, our best. best. Doing our best. Doing our best. <laughs> Grand. But before we get into all of those things for this episode, producer Brian, can you please give us some words? Absolutely. Happy halfway through October at this point. Uh, Maybe we're a little bit further than halfway, but um, um, thank you again for joining us. I'm very excited to do this one, um, this movie. But um, if you want to find us on social media at Talk Horror Pod, we are everywhere. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, um, Blue Sky now. Threads, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. Um, again, you can find us on YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Hi. Uh, just YouTube in it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, um, very exciting stuff. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to, to hear your thoughts on this one, Nikisha. Like seriously. Same. <laughs> also, it's so funny because in watching this, sometimes I feel like, oh, maybe after we have a conversation, I'll feel different about Mm. particular movies but it's also just like i don't i have my own opinions about things but sometimes when we talk about stuff it kind of like sways it into okay i can understand your point of view so it makes me have a a more appreciation of the thing so i'm very excited for us to have a discussion about this but first y'all i have to tell you i'm still in my walking dead journey and we finished season six and watch the first episode of season seven Uh, and spoiler spoiler for walking dead we got to the point where um steven uh young's character passes and that's the last thing i saw so you're at the point where people stopped watching like I believe a, that. A huge percent of I did not because I'm a I'm a masochist. Um, <laughs> but people kept stopped watching yeah. uh, the end. I was done. Yeah, it's it was <clears throat> so hard to watch and way more gruesome. I don't know, I was talking to somebody about this today, actually, because we know that Walking Dead is gruesome, right? You, we see the bodies, like the, the the bodies of the dead, and there's like guts hanging out, and like all the things. And you kind of get used to that. But seeing such detailed footage of like him dying and 
him trying to talk to Maggie while he literally has like an eye falling out of his face Ugh. is uh-huh. was gut wrenching. But that makeup, fan fucking tastic. Yeah. It was definitely hard for me to sleep uh, that night. <laughs> How are you feeling about the show? Because you're binging it. Mm-hmm. Do you are you still feeling like oh, same thing, different community, or you feel like you're moving into something? Like I'm just curious how you feel right now. I feel like season six was a turnaround because mm-hmm. I was getting the oh my god, they're in a new community. It's only going to last for so long, and then they have to move somewhere else. Like that's been kind of the past couple of seasons, but. With season six, it was more of like the moral dilemma that was really the forefront of like you have Morgan's character who's trying to like save people who are bad, who are killing like his friends and stuff. And, you know, Rick is in his own moral dilemma of like, I'm just going to kill everybody because I'm trying to make it like my people safe. And so I think that that dynamic made me excited about the series again. Um, But I will say, like I said, we watched the first episode of season seven and it introduces that king guy with the tiger and i was yeah. like this is so far Ezekiel? Left. yeah king ezekiel uh-huh. or whatever it's like what is about to happen um so i understand but you know the same way and i'm about to spoil like earlier seasons of Grey's anatomy too when george died that's when i stopped watching Grey's anatomy because that sure. was like too much of a main character you know mm-hmm. was that the one where they off. Is that the one where they didn't know it was him because he was so yep. brutalized and then like Meredith mm-hmm. figures it out? Yep. Because yeah. he got like hit by a bus, but yeah. he was covered all in bandages and nobody knew like who this, and it was like John Doe the whole yeah. show, the whole episode until the end. And it was like, it's fucking George. And I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. So uh, we'll see if I continue on in The Walking Dead. Daryl has his own, Daryl Dixon has his own like, um, spin off show. show. Yeah. So I think I might just read what happens in the rest of The Walking Dead and then start watching Daryl because I love Oh, you're, good. you're done with Walking Dead? What do you mean? Well, okay. I was watching it with my friend, who Jen Sussy, who plays Peggy, and now she's moving to the Broadway company. And so it was like kind of our thing to do together. Mm. <laughs> so, but then after seeing that and hearing that everybody falls off of it, I kind of, I don't know if I want to so, keep going or not. I am here to advocate for you to continue. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I, I think that it's worth it. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I, for <clears throat> me, watching week to week, the next maybe season, season and a half are same, just same difference, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a point, I think in like season, like I forget what season it is, where like certain characters do certain things and it kind of refreshes the thing and it, it actually okay. is way more enjoyable. So you might go through a little bit of meh for a bit, but then mm. it gets pretty good so that that's my suggestion obviously do whatever you want yeah no we'll see i mean if i'm in the mood for zombies then i know you know where to go i know where to go fantastic well nikisha are you ever in the mood for jamie what are those things called that you look at yourself in and they reflect back at you oh my god oh my god (laughs) oh do you mean a mirror or mirrors oh i mean mirrors from 2008 Oh, Oh, I've never even heard of that movie. Wow. Yes, you absolutely have. It's definitely on the watch mojo. Okay. Without a doubt for like a memorable death scene. Please tell me. I I, want to know. I'm curious now. Spoiler alert for those who haven't (laughs) seen this movie that came out quite some time ago. But it is the and it's something that's still like has seared into my brain that I will not forget. 
it is Amy Smart sitting in a bathtub while her mirror version slowly rips her jaw apart with her own hands and like dis like remove fully removes her jaw and it's just tongue hanging out. It's Eek. fucking gruesome. <laughs> The movie stars Kiefer Sutherland as a um, former police officer who becomes a security guard at this, like, haunted, like, abandoned place. And there's Mm -hmm. something inside the mirrors, and it starts, like, haunting his family through the mirrors. It's it's fucking terrible. (laughs) And I loved it. Okay. But you enjoyed it. It was, like, a terribly good time. Yes. Uh, Yeah, sure. Great. I was a first-time watch for me. I definitely okay. had a good time, and we had to pause it halfway through, and we saw there were 40 <laughs> minutes left, and I was like, how are there 40 more minutes in this fucking movie? How oh, are there 40 no. more minutes? But then there were. Paula Patton is in it. It's mm-hmm. Paula Patton? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'll have to take a gander. No, yeah, this is not something that goes to the top of your list. This is something that no, you and your dad sure. might watch together. <laughs> Great. I'll tell him. I'll absolutely tell him. He'll love it, I'm sure. <laughs> Oof. Well, wonderful. Okay, well, let's get into the dark and the wicked, because that's why you guys are here. But we need a plot summary, a little refresher, and we have our producer Brian here to do that for us. What's the plot? (laughs) Good thing he's here to do that for us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Mr. Mr. I honestly, I forgot I had to do this. (laughs) <laughs> um, so I'm nervous now because, okay, okay. Well, there's not, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I believe yeah, in you. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you just have to be confident in yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. So, <clears throat> Producer Ryan, you have exactly two minutes on the clock to give us your best description of what is the plot of The Dark and the Wicked. Are you ready? Ready. All right. Ready, set, go. The Dark and the Wicked is about a family in Texas. Um, The father is sick and he gets worse and the mother is his caretaker. The two kids, their their son and their daughter, come to the house in order to kind of help out. Um, They have a strained relationship. The daughter has a strained relationship specifically with the brother and everybody else. Um, But they're older kids. They're not like teenagers. They're older. Anyway, the dad gets worse, so they come down. But the mom tells them that they should not have come because what we learn early in the movie is that there is something dark and wicked about on their ranch. Um, We as an audience member see like glimpses and flashes of something nefarious in the background. Um, There's lots of sheep around. Anyway, um, the mother cuts her fingers off and then hangs herself. And basically every single thing that this dark and wicked thing touches um, ends up trying to kill itself. Um, So it's kind of like passing through everybody. Then there's a priest who comes and says he knows the family um, and talks a little bit about, you know, um, you know, wanting them to, to, you know, they talk to the mother. He's a very nef- nefarious again, but it turns out that they don't know him uh, and he doesn't know them. And the kids are uh, realize that the mom's not religious. So like, this is a weird experience. Um, anyway, um, the, the brother's like, I got to get the hell out of here because they start seeing other people show up and it's, it's very scary. Um, so he goes back to his family um, and he ends up killing himself because the demon actually made him see his family dead. He killed himself, but his family wasn't there and in the end the father ends up dying and the uh sister is taken by the um is taken by the the demon um the end 
of good the job. Dark and the wow, you still have ten seconds. Oh, um, yeah. Like the father gets up out of bed. Like there's a lot of creepy things that happen that have to do with like this dark and wicked thing, like showing itself to these kids, whether it's through someone they know or through something else, through death. Yeah. And that's the plot. That's it. And a lot, a lot of dying sheep and goats and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> it kills the sheep and the goats. It makes, it, mm-hmm. it kills the ranch hand that they hired. Like, mm-hmm. but they all kill themselves and stuff like that. So that's the dark yeah. and the wicked. Oof. And uh, just to clarify, this is everyone's first time seeing this? Mm-mm. No. Oh, okay. Jamie, you saw this. Yeah, Brian and I both saw this before. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Beautiful gowns. Okay, well, let's get into it with our first segment of Likes and Gripes. And now our likes and gripes. Okay, uh, actually, Jamie, I would like to hear hear your thoughts about this first. Yeah, sure. How you felt <clears throat> about this and why you guys chose to uh, do this again for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember why we chose to do this again for the podcast, <laughs> but... Uh, I think it was just on our list of things we wanted to do, and we were looking for more independent stuff. And mm. uh, Oh, fair. I, mm-hmm. And yes. I wanted to watch this one again because... Uh, when we get to me, I'll, I'll talk about that. I think Jamie has very yeah. similar opinions. Yeah. Oh. So the first time we saw this, I I remember, as I've mentioned many times on the podcast before, I like my horror movies to not end with so much despair. Um, and that's not quite what you get when you watch The Dark and the Wicked. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a real bummer. It's a, that's it's the best a way to describe. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a long bummer of a film. Um, And so the first time I saw this, I kind of was just, like, really shook by, like, everything that transpired and then was just feeling real meh and, Mm -hmm. like, had a really hard time getting into it, Um, mostly because there's a lot that feels totally unwarranted and unjustified. Again, we've talked about this in other horror movies where, like, if there are bad things happening to people, I, I... it doesn't bother me as much if for whatever reason it feels like they deserve it or like, you know, narratively they, they give you a better reason for it. And I feel like with this one from the first watching, I was like, why is this happening to these people? Like they're not even religious. It doesn't even make sense. And that's why I was really curious what you were going to think about this, Nikisha. Well, however. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. no, you go first because I have a big. <laughs> my however is like big. Okay, so it, now it's interesting. I didn't realize that you guys had already watched this. Mm. Yeah. Um, so my exact thing that was a like and a huge gripe for me, Jamie, was mm-hmm. why is this happening? I need a reason. But on the other side of it, it's more unsettling that I don't know why this is happening to these people because then it kind of brings in the the idea of like anything can happen to anyone. It doesn't matter. Like demons are just going to demon, you know? Uh, so just got a demon, just going to demon. Demons just going to demon, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Doja Cat has a whole song about it called Demons. Yeah. So. Yeah. I said what I said. <laughs> I'd rather demon instead. I'd rather demon instead. <laughs> I think I took I took some liberties with the with her lyrics. I I love it. This, you know. Um, but yes, that was the main thing. Like I, you took the words out of my mouth, Jamie. This first watch, I, it felt meh 
there were things that I liked about it visually and stuff like that. And mine is really quick, so I'll just go ahead and go. Sorry. I don't mm-hmm. even know why I was pretending no, no, no. to not go, go first. Go, go. <laughs> you go first. Sorry. It makes the most sense. Okay. Definitely. Well, Jamie, you just set me up, so this was great. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I liked the opening credits and of the going back and forth from the actual scenes of the movie and and the the pictures of the house and stuff like that into the opening credits. I liked that it set up that atmosphere of like what the hell is going on with this. Um, I love that we get flashes of the entity like at the beginning, and I love a day to day setup. I want to know okay on Monday uh, this is happening me too. Tuesday, yes, right. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, especially because at the beginning he's like, how long are you staying? He's like I'll probably be here like uh, you know a week maybe maybe till Monday mm, or right. whatever he says I'm like here we go yeah it's like this will is what you, I need will you be here alive until Monday could you last yeah <laughs> you know yes so it's just kind of like the structural part of my brain that's like absolutely I want to know like what is the day to day that is happening leading up to the end of the movie whatever mm-hmm. the end might be um, I am realizing that noises bother me more than visuals Hmm. because when the mom is cutting off her fingers, which was a gruesome scene, it was the the squishy noises (laughs) that really was just kind of like so unsettling to me. And it was like, okay, if I had this on mute, like I would be able to kind of take it in a little bit more. And maybe it's just because of all the walking dead that I've watched, but it was the combination of just like her, not only like the sound, but like the continuous sound because she kept chopping at those fingers. And I was like this, I can't deal with this right now. And it was literally after like my, my Thursday, Friday, Saturday was, uh, Thursday, Walking Dead, watching Steven get mutilated. Friday, watching, like, you know, uh, um, Saw X. And then Saturday, watching this. So it was just a lot of, of like, blood and gore. So by the time that happened yeah. with her fingers, I was like, I think I'm done <laughs> with sure. gore for the next... Somebody give me Coraline. Somebody give me yeah, Haunted yeah. Mansion, Disney. Like, I can't <laughs> right now. Um so that was crazy. I thought that the score of this was really kind of beautiful. I never really thought a lot about scores in horror movies the past couple of ones that we've watched. Sure. But I really enjoyed the music, even the ones that were uh, leading up to the tension and the jump scares of it all. I just thought that it was a beautiful score. I really um, enjoyed it. I liked the light scene. There's a lot of scenes that I liked, but it just I guess the whole storyline was just a little meh for me, like I said, because... I literally was thinking, like, what is happening? There's 30 minutes left. Like, why is this entity attacking them? How did he get to them? The priest isn't real. He didn't actually visit them. Like, what's what's going on? And I did, like, the hallucinations of it all. But mm-hmm. without having a... Um, Without having a singular idea of why or a reason why, it was just hard to really latch on to everything that was happening, even though I liked a lot of the visuals. Um... So, yeah, it just left me a little bit of a uh, meh feeling. And I was, it was really kind of just a, like you said, Jamie, a downer that everyone just dies at the end because <clears throat> this thing is just, I guess this thing is just attacking them and they all die at the end. It's not even like, if, if I wasn't going to get a reason as to why this was going to happen, at least let somebody survive it all so that sure. we can have like some form of a, of a 
happier ending, but it was just kind of like, nope, this entity came for no reason that we know or can even like think up in our brains about and everybody's gone now. So that's the end of it. It's this story about this family that just comes and goes because of this thing. Um, so yeah, that's, those are my bigger thoughts, uh, about the movie. So Jamie, sorry, can, you can continue on with your no. lights and So like, that was very much like how I felt the first time I watched this. And then mm-hmm. going into it this time, I was like, ugh. like even my notes, I was like, I didn't remember what happened to the mom finger chopping. Mm. Ew. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I, I literally wrote, I remember the ending is sad. So I have mixed feelings about this movie. Cause I couldn't remember exactly like how things unfolded, but remembered mm-hmm. f- like how I felt after watching this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get, and I have a lot of other notes, but then, but then the priest showed up and I, we paused the movie and we were like talking about our feelings about it from last time. And we both were mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, like there's something important here because we remember that that point I was like talking out loud, trying to process what I could remember from the first yeah. time watching it. And I was like, wait a minute, this isn't the real priest. And, and so we were talking about that and I was like, this is, this is the demon fucking with them. So mm. this conversation is really important and we should rewind it and restart this conversation and watch it more closely because this is the demon having a conversation with the people that he's, that he's like actively haunting to mm-hmm. figure out what's the why behind it. Because they're both, they're, they are coming from the perspective of like, we are not religious. Our family is not religious yet. Mm-hmm. There is something like, that seems to be very religious adjacent happening that doesn't make sense to us. So we're calling in you, the priest, or like you actually, he just showed up, but like you seem to know what's going on. Like tell, so like there's two things happening in this conversation. There's the first take, which is what you talked about, Nikisha, and how I feel like I felt the first time. And I think Brian did too, where you're just like, this doesn't make any sense because these people don't deserve it. Not that like Mm -hmm. needing to believe or being religious then means that they deserve it. It just seems so disconnected. Yes. But then listening to what the priest said, and I didn't write down exactly what he said, but he basically said like, it it doesn't matter if you believe or not. He also said like, he basically was like, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter if you believe like he's already here. So like, Mm. and that, in that case, it was true because like that was, he was the demon, but he also said like they were alone and like, that's the justification. Like Mm. it doesn't matter that you believe or not. Like there's still, that's enough of an explanation to explain a vulnerability and that's all that it took. But it's very hard. I, I will say like, maybe people got that in the first go around. I didn't. Nikisha, Mm-mm. it doesn't sound like you did, and I don't no. think Brian did either. So it's like maybe some people no. are or we're picking up on that, and like we just didn't. But mm. it, I find that I, it made me like this movie so much more than I did the first time. Yeah. But I don't think that you. I, I don't think it's great that you have to watch it more than once in order to understand that. And that mm-hmm. kind of moves a little bit into my gripe, even though I, I definitely have a much different understanding and appreciation for this movie with with paying more attention to that specific conversation. Yeah, and if yeah. I can jump in here as well, mm-hmm. he says a wolf is a wolf. So, like, it doesn't... Like, I like the idea that they are not religious, 
but I like that this movie takes the stance that like religion is real or the devil and God are real, whether you believe in them or not. And, mm. uh, and, and, you know, and also, you know, I also asked the question of like, why is this happening now? Like, why, mm-hmm. why do they want David's soul now? Like, what does it matter? And the real answer is like, he took a turn for the worse and all of a sudden the devil had new souls in that house to torture and take and all mm. of that. And, and, you know, there's things to talk about, like in terms of like, um, you know, he drained David's soul so much that like, then he started to like latch onto the mother and then the other guy and then them and then the, the nurse and then her, mm-hmm. like there's, it's just, he just like moves through them because they're isolated. There's nothing else. And you know, I, I I completely and wholeheartedly agree with Jamie in that that scene and this movie was way better the second time as a mm. whole because like so a lot of the stuff sticks with you like some of the the special effects and stuff for sure absolutely yeah but um yeah I, I just feel like I just feel like it's annoying that it's like. I definitely paid attention to this movie the first time. How did I like yeah. not get that? But I do. <laughs> it made it easier, not easier, but like I was able to sit through it with a different understanding than the first time where I was just like, this just sucks. Why does uh, so much bad, so much bad is happening. So much but what? Bad. Even like, uh, it's just like, it's, it makes it so much harder to watch. Um, some other notes I wrote, um, creepy goat jump scare. Uh, <laughs> I also wrote why mannequins. I thought something was going to happen with the mannequins, and then nothing, right. nothing really did. I mean, mannequins are creepy, but I just felt yeah. like they were really underutilized here. I was thinking that too, and I think they obviously help with some jump scares and stuff like that. But sure. it, I think it also, I think it also did a good job of showing how alone they were potentially. Mm. Like, like there are these other bodies there, but like only they're not some really bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, something else I really liked about this movie is a lot of times in movies you have the setup is like there are these estranged family members and then they come together and it's like oh we grew we were apart but now we're together and like we have triumphed Mm -hmm. over our estrangement I like (laughs) that that's not what happens here at all and they continue to all be super estranged from each other the mom the only thing the mom can communicate to her children when they come is you shouldn't have come you shouldn't be here you should Mm -hmm. leave and she can't even explain why which is a gripe of mine when there's very clear ways to communicate about things she did not um so that's that's on her you know chop your fingers up you should have said something open Um, up your mouth communicate (laughs) like just say something um yes if you see something say something yeah exactly um however i do like that it's like just because you're coming together at a at a in a moment of a family crisis where like someone is having a real health scare that that doesn't suddenly like solve everything that these are mm-hmm. long standing relationship issues that have been this way for so long in all ways like even then when the mother dies the brother and sister aren't necessarily any closer because yeah. at the end the brother bails on his sister in the worst moment bails. possible he yes. just up and leaves her but obviously like as we know it's too late anyway because they've already spent so much time there that like 
they're doomed. So it's like their soul has already been, you know, tampered with, I guess, for, for X amount of time. But it's like, I, I think that that is a more realistic element of like human behavior. Um, and yeah, it's just like, it's, it's unfixable. And just because they're back home does not change that at all. Um, it felt way more realistic. Um, something that I did not think was realistic was the random spider that comes out of the dad's mouth. It was really (laughs) fake looking and super distracting. Um, another thing that I have mentioned, I don't like because it upsets me is I don't like when people pee themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. and you get some of this and then you get someone moving their head around real weird. And I don't like that either. Mm -hmm. I don't like mouth things. I don't like weird head jiggles. And I really don't like when people pee themselves. (laughs) Um, oh, yes. <laughs> uh, one thing that wasn't really clear to me. Um, oh, because I, I messed that up. I thought that the I forgot who the farmhand was. And I thought that that guy was the priest. But I guess the mm. priest never had any contact with the demon at all. The only person that outreaches him is the daughter. Um, and then the mm-hmm. priest thinks that he's that she's playing like some mean spirited joke on him anyway. Um Mean-spirited. Ooh. Mean-spirits. What I don't understand sometimes is, like, random nudity. Um, Why has the mom got to be naked? Like, she didn't die that way. Exactly. So, like, why has she got to be spooking around with no clothes on? Like, Well, yeah, I I thought... Aren't the rules of ghost ghosting like whatever outfit you die in is one that you ghost in? Yeah. So what so I, I hear, what I hear is you always need to be dressed like you're gonna die that day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, so don't die in the shower. No, don't die in the shower. Don't God. die. I don't know, like at your job, like like you know, if you have a uniform, don't die at the circus. I don't know. There's a lot of places that you circus. Circus. <laughs> if you're a clown, like you don't want to like all of a sudden oh. be like, yeah. <laughs> or like if you know, uh, yeah. if okay. you like work at Home Depot, like you kind of. I guess you don't want to like right. die with okay. like your apron on. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my only point was I didn't understand why the mom needed to be naked. Um, <laughs> her brother is a big old asshole for leaving. I was gonna her. ask. I was gonna Such, ask how y'all felt about it. Oh man, that's so again. Something you can communicate very easily. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm fucking done here. I'm I'm leaving. Like, just, that's literally all you had to say. The fact that he left without waking her, telling her anything, anything. and left her alone in that house is so fucked up. That's, that's like, one of the worst things that, mm-hmm. that I've seen in any movie. Um, I thought that uh, there was a really interesting conversation from the like home health aid nurse that came mm. where she was talking a lot about like love and like needing love as a as a form of protection and then like once that once the love is gone then then you're vulnerable um and mm. i think that there's like very little again going back to the relationships like there's very little love that it seems that they have for one another at this point so like you know the daughter is staying out of obligation it seems especially according to the brother because he she yells like why could you do this and he's like i know that you would have stayed and like it's right. so selfish that he says that in that moment um 
But it also, it's it's not totally clear if she's staying out of love or just like out of like she's the only one left. So mm-hmm. yeah. what other like what other option is there for her? And I don't think that that like protects her in the end. I think that that's why she yeah. continues to be vulnerable because like she's not doing it out of love. She doesn't really have a choice anymore. Um, and that's that's really it. And I think that like in the same moment that her brother chooses to leave is also this like ultimate like l- there is no love left in this family. They are all they're all fully disconnected from one another. And like that is the culmination of like everything that happens at the end. Um, yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. I also thought it was interesting that the nurse herself was religious. Um, right. Because then when she is possessed, it it's not totally clear to me if she is just possessed or there's a part that kind of feels like she's treating it like she thinks she's being possessed by God or Jesus. Mm. That That was my perception this time around where she's like, She's like, I feel you. She, that's what mm-hmm. she's saying, and and but like in a in like an accepting, like I'm letting you in kind of way. And it's like, oh, do, is she under the impression that what she's letting in is God, but it's actually like not God. Um, so I'm not totally sure if that's the case. I don't even know if that's like an apt reading, but that's mm. that was just something I was thinking about this time around, just because her reaction is like so like intense and like. Yeah. Yeah. Just feels, um, yeah. Yeah. In that moment, I just from, from the first watch took it as she kind of knew what her demise was. And because she was like dying, she just felt like she was getting closer to God, like going to heaven. Cause she's like about to die. So for me, I just read it as like, she, the demon possessed her and she stabbed herself in the eyes and like, she's, uh, she's going to die, you know, like she's already done so much self-harm to herself. Like she's about to die. And so I guess it felt like she was accepting like death and being like, all right, God, I feel you because like, this has just happened. I know I'm dying. So like, I'm about to go ascend into heaven, I guess, you know, but yeah. yeah I don't know. But, um, it's a lot of crazy things. <laughs> yeah. My only other note is that I thought that the brother's wife's scream acting was bad. Mm. Huh. <laughs> I, I just didn't buy it. I didn't pay attention to it. I just didn't uh. buy it. She was just like, it was just like, ah! and I was like, okay, <laughs> not believable. <laughs> not believable. Yep. Those are Obsessed. my thoughts. Work. All right. Brian, your thoughts. Uh, yeah, sure. I agree with Jamie wholeheartedly. This movie was so much better the second time, specifically because of that scene. Um, mm. I, I just think if you, without knowing that twist a little bit, like of that scene where it's not actually him, they're actually legitimately talking to the demon. Um, and then you kind of forget what he says a little bit, like knowing what the twist is, so you can pay more attention to it. Definitely helped. Um, mm-hmm. I also love the beginning to Keisha of all the shots of the house. The sound design is amazing. The evil in the sheep. That one shot is incredible. I actually remembered the opening of this movie more than I remembered anything else from this movie. Mm. Um, uh, a lot of it is beautifully shot just with like either the foreground um, blurry and you have the them in the background or vice versa. I just thought it was really lovely. Um, uh, he's yeah. He says I'll be here a week Friday maybe, and I love the same thing, Nikisha. That um, the all of that, and also it ends on a Sunday, God's Day, which I thought was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I love 
when she's walking through the house and you see the shadow of the demon behind her and she like goes to the front door it's already in the house and then when she comes back it's her mom in the same spot Mm -hmm. I thought that was spectacular Mm -hmm. um Man, the finger scene that you two have both talked about already, the sound design, Nikisha, I totally agree. You know it's coming. Oof. And, like, that sound, you're just waiting for it. And then yeah. it, it's just really, really well done. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting that the chair keeps following her. Um, hmm. You know, and I think it's the demon, just the way the demon gave him the, like, knife. Or the demon gave him the shotgun. The demon was giving her the chair to hang herself. Mm-hmm. like Like, tempting her with that. Um, I like that. Um, I love that the goats break the trees, uh, the, the, excuse, not the trees, the goats break the bottle alarm when they're jumping. Um, I like Mm -hmm. that. Um, they, I love that the feeling of this is just lonely and depressed. Everyone just feels so sad and lonely, which I think makes it more believable why they'd be so vulnerable to this, this, this entity. Um, I wrote mannequins are scary blood on the mannequins. I don't remember what that means, but I'm sure there was blood on the mannequins <laughs> at some point. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. There's some really good scares. The decor of the house with the skulls really adds to the tone mm. of this film. Um, my thought was that because the dad has gotten worse, now the demon is out for more alive people because he's been feeding on the father for so long. And mm. I love what Jamie said, like what the nurse said about love, like they were able to fend the demon enough because the mother genuinely loved the father. And then you have this kind of weird uh, obligatory false love in the house, which allows everyone to be more vulnerable um, as there's more like angst and anger in the house when the kids get there. Um, Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, the kids did visit, so it left everybody open to it. Um, uh, I don't remember why I wrote playing with food, Um, but... Um, I all I don't remember why I wrote that, but I all oh the de- the devil is playing with his food, like when he's talking mm. to them as the priest, he's playing <laughs> with them. He's like they, he's yeah. literally playing with his food. Um, yes. A wolf is a wolf. I I also like that it takes place in Texas, which is a very religious place. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you have this one family who's not religious in the sea of religion, and the idea just because you don't believe it doesn't mean that the devil's not out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I really liked all that. Um, oh, I had a question. Do we think the devil, the same demon killed the priest's daughter? You know what I mean? That he's still torturing him. Um, Mm. I really loved that scene that like, you know, are you messing with me? Like it's my daughter's name, like all of that stuff. I don't think we have an answer or need an answer. I just thought that was fascinating. Um, uh, the son definitely got possessed. Um, uh, the son gets possessed in the barn at the end, or he's being attacked to be possessed, but mm-hmm. he is able to resist the devil in that moment or enough that he can just like be a full mind and, and body. Um, and then, and, but he needs his family to help because he calls his wife afterwards and mm-hmm. his wife gives him the support and all of that. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's still too little too late cause he goes home and all of that happens. Um, you know, when Michael leaves out of the false love, it affects the nurse. Um, at the end, and she gives that speech. And in the end, the daughter's just alone, like you said. Um, and like this, I would argue that this is actually more of a demon home invasion movie than mm-hmm. it is anything else. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then uh, some of my gripes are some of the special effects, when they're not practical, some of the special effects don't work for me in this one. Um, this is a gripe and a like. 
why did the ranch hand, Charlie, I think his name was. Yep, Charlie. Why did he see the daughter? Yeah, like, I was wondering that too. My mm-hmm. my <laughs> thought, my thought, and I don't know if this is based on anything, but it's like maybe he had a crush on her. Mm-hmm. You know, like he'd been working on the farm for so long and like he sees the daughter grow like that could have been like that's what he sees. I I don't know. Like why didn't he see his granddaughter? Why didn't he see, I don't know why he saw her, but there's there I'm sure there's like an unspoken like character thing that like doesn't need to be spoken about. They're just interesting yeah. in that moment. Um uh yeah, and I just a little bit of why, even though they explain mm. it. But uh yeah. Um uh and then my favorite quotes from this are some the, the the one of them says uh, it's going to be okay, and the other one says like what's going to be okay. Mm. I liked that mm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she says a soul needs love to keep it safe. That's what the um, that's mm-hmm. what the nurse yeah. says. And then she decides to you know do some crocheting of her eyeballs. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> gross. It's so gross. It's but, uh, so. But I like this some. movie way better the second time. I think mm-hmm. it has some really dark and wicked imagery. Um, mm. I think that I think it's very engaging. I think it's a little bit of a slow burn that paid off way more the second time than the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, even you just like Jamie just saying the fact that going back to the priest speech of you guys were just alone and isolated. I think we talked about this before. Where, um we were bringing up the strangers or saying like, we're just coming at you because you were home, you, <laughs> you were know, home. like mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it feels like the, that makes more sense of the same vibe of like, you're just isolated. And so, yeah. but also like, you know, like lions pick off the sickly part of the herd, like the mm-hmm. demon picked mm-hmm. off the sickly one and he makes his way through everything else. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's understandable. I think. Um, that gives more of a perspective of like why everything is happening. Cool. Well, let's move on to our next segment. Mm, Brains. Brains. Mm, Tasty. Tasty, tasty. Always. (laughs) Always Fargalicious on this (laughs) podcast. So my first question, Jamie, is what are some ways that you could take care of yourself as you're taking care of a terminally ill family member? Like, can you even mentally prepare to take on the toll of like caring for a loved one who is dying or mentally even prepare for their inevitable passing? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think that it is really hard, um, but also like a really important part of being like the caretaker for somebody else is Mm -hmm. making sure you're making time for yourself because it's, it's very taxing. And like also there, there's the risk of compassion fatigue where like you start to become desensitized and like lose the compassion for who you're caring for because you're not also taking care of yourself. So, um, like that's something that's at risk. I, I think also just like burning yourself out generally, um, So, like, making sure that you are still operating with boundaries, making sure that you are taking, like, time that's protected time just for you to, like, Mm -hmm. do things that make you feel good, Um, you know, continuing to have, like, your support system 
that exists like outside of this too. Um, that could also include therapy, you know, just putting yeah. it out there. Um, just boop, but, uh, therapy. yeah, but, um, yeah, I think like having the mindset of like, I also need to make sure that I'm taking care of myself while like yes. going into this is really important. Fantastic. Um, on a different note, what are some ways that a person could separate themselves from toxic family members that might be negatively affecting their mental health? And I am just thinking about the brother who was like, okay, I have to piece up out of here because this is too crazy and I want to be like with my family. So how can somebody like separate themselves from kind of a toxic family environment? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not necessarily in relation to demons coming after their family. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, stay, like, definitely <laughs> stay away from demons if you yeah, can. Um, 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 but if you happen, regardless, if you happen to be related to some demons, um, right? I, I mean, it's it can be really hard because, like, depending on what your family like rules are, like every every family unit has their own rules. They have mm. their own like traditions and customs and um, expectations. So, and also, like, what is the degree of closeness? Um, Because, like, it is really hard to remove yourself from people that you're related to. And there's a lot of also, like, societal expectations of, like, oh, well, you're family. So, like, you have to, like, but ultimately, like, you don't have to do shit. Um, Like, there's no rule. (laughs) There's no, like, you don't have to do diddly squat. There is no rule that, that makes you obligated to anybody, Um, Mm -hmm. and like, it might be more difficult because you share like biology with somebody, but that Mm -hmm. doesn't oblige you to like have to have a relationship with them if, if it's not healthy, if it's not working for you. Um, I think boundaries again, go a really long way. Like having boundaries protects relationships. This is like verbatim what I say to the people I work with. Boundaries mm-hmm. protects relationships because boundaries prevent resentment. Without boundaries, you grow resentful of the people that, like, you feel like you're being taken advantage of. You feel mm-hmm. like you are, like, not being prioritized. That is going to directly impact your relationship with that person. If you want to salvage that relationship in any way, boundaries is how you do it. And it doesn't mean that you, like, fully throw up a wall and like disengage, maybe that's what you feel like you need and that's okay. But that's not the only thing that boundaries means. It Mm -hmm. means like saying no, you don't have to always say yes to them. It doesn't again mean saying no all the time, unless like that feels necessary. But like, you know, what is the balance of like taking the time for you to evaluate? Does it make sense for me to do this right now? Do I have the bandwidth to do this right now? Can I take yeah. this on? What would it do for me if I did this? Would this like cause me more undue stress and like make it harder for me to do this? Like have this did this person think about that before they asked me to do this or are they just like putting that on me? Um mm-hmm. so like taking the time to decide whether or not it's it makes sense for you to like do certain things and ultimately if it doesn't like you are allowed to say no. Um that being said, just because you're saying a boundary does not magically make them respected or heard or exactly. listened to. Um, so I think like managing expectations around that too, knowing that like it's not a guarantee that it will be listened to, but it doesn't make it any less important to try to implement it. 
Um, so I would say boundaries is a big one. I also am a fan of this tool or technique called, um, like the gray rocking gray rock technique. Um, Mm. it works really well for folks that are more toxic. I would even say like might have some narcissistic characteristics, Mm -hmm. um, where basically you are like disengaged. Um, you are only answering like exactly what's being asked of you. Yes, no, you're not giving any more than that. You're not giving into like, you're not sharing your feelings. Like you, you essentially become as boring as a gray rock. That's, that's where that comes from. Um, but it can work really well with, with more toxic folks because like there's likely this desire to get a reaction out of you and you are not giving them what they're looking for. So it is, it is like very, uh, you know, disengaged and, um, not, not giving into like that type of reaction. So that can be a helpful way sometimes if you have to engage with somebody that's toxic, that can sometimes be a little bit easier to like navigate and maneuver some of those interactions. I love it all. Those are all great answers. Thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Fantastical. You guys, boundaries are amazing. If I could throw a book out there, there's a book called Setting Boundaries, Finding Peace um, by the therapist Nadra Webb. And it is a great tool in mapping out setting boundaries in romantic relationships, in family dynamics and friendship dynamics. And it is something that Jamie said can help uh, in so many different ways. So wonderful things, beautiful gowns. Love it. Uh, Last question I have, Jamie, and this is purely just for me. I was thinking about what I said earlier about sounds affecting me more than Mm. visuals. And then that made Mm -hmm. me think like, is there a phobia for like sounds? But then I was thinking to myself, are there therapists who specialize in different phobias? So like if I have whatever the fear of like what arachnophobia, like, or fear of small spaces or like, is there a therapist that I could potentially go to that would help me in those endeavors? Hmm. Um, so I think that there are, there are therapists who like, I'm an, I'm an anxiety therapist, but I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. specialize in like working with specific phobias. There are therapists that do work with phobias. I think there are also therapists that like can have maybe an even more specific niche of like very specific phobias. So I don't think, Mm. I think you might have a harder time like finding some of those just because it is more specific depending on what you're looking for. But also I find that most of the time therapists who are, who work with people with phobias generally, there's like particular tools and strategies that are really Mm -hmm. helpful. So like, I don't know, I could be totally wrong, but I don't know how much it matters that the, like, I think sometimes having the knowledge around whatever that specific type of phobia is like agoraphobia versus a different type of phobia, there are like unique things to consider, but also I think that there typically are like very specific modalities that work well with all phobias. So, so I imagine a therapist that specializes in working with like generally different phobias is probably well-versed to do most of them. Mark, nice. That's my guess. General phobia. General phobia. General phobia. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, that's all the questions that uh, I have. Thank you, Jamie. So should we rotten to mutton? Yes. Rotten to matten. 
That's the Rotten Tomatoes game. <laughs> Let's run to on this. Um, what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? 67. Mm. Jamie? 57. <laughs> 57. Wow. Oops. This is a 91% on oh, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, <laughs> um, the what audience score is a 63. Okay. Okay. Um, the Dark and the Wicked deliver its title with an unsettling horror story whose deep dread and bleak outlook further compound its effective jolts. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, so here's a, uh, what do you think this has on letterboxd? So again, Mm. one through five, these are just like, you know, um, their users rating this movie one out of five. Again, you can, it's anywhere from one to five with decimal points in between. So what do you think the average is on this one? 3.8. That was what they're, I was going to say 3.7. All right. It's a 3.1. Mm. Um, yeah, so this is a 3.1 um, here, which is uh, it's actually a, a 3.06 based on uh, almost 29,000 reviews. Um, oh, wow. But it rounds up to a 3.1. And if you were interested, here are some of the top reviews on Letterboxd of this movie. If this had the A24 logo, people would be all over it. That is the most liked review. Oh, I mean, yeah, Yeah. I get it. Uh, Someone else said two and a half stars. I'm getting pretty sick of this streak of self-conscious trauma as horror horror. Hmm. Mm. Um, Here's another one. Three and a half stars. I feel like people are going to really love this or absolutely hate this. Hmm. Yeah. Um, For some reason, a person possessed by a demon uh, sounds kind of sexy in a southern accent. Come outside. (laughs) Come outside. I'm um, dead. I also was like really trying to uh, accept or pick up on the southern accents because sometimes <laughs> it was just a little bit too much for me. <laughs> hmm. It just makes me think about like dialect classes when you kind of go over the top uh, with like how far you do the accent, and it just felt a <clears throat> little over the top for me. But yeah, sure. And then one of my favorites, one and a half stars. Did this movie deadass try to pass off the act of scrubbing a stain off a sink as scary? <laughs> That's funny. It was her mom's blood. It was oh, a moment. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, yes. Um, yes. Cool. All right. Should we do the four S's? Yes. yes. Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. Okay, the four S's are skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. One through ten, uh, we're going to rank skulls, which is how this movie handles mental health and human behavior. Scares, how scary was it? Shakes, how much is it going to stay with you? And then we'll give our suggestions. But Jamie, why don't you go first with your numbers? Sure. So for skulls, I gave this a five because I feel like people made a lot of terrible choices <laughs> um, repeatedly. Um I think, again, like so much of this could probably be resolved if people had communicated openly and effectively. Um, And so like by not doing that, it's like this whole I mean, this movie probably would look very differently and maybe shorter. Um, But uh, (laughs) 
There's a demon. Okay, bye. <laughs> no, right. Uh, out of here. Please. So, like, I feel like that really impacts things. Um, yeah, just, like, if there was better communication between people, then mm-hmm. would, that have, would that have resolved things? But also, like, am I being too harsh? And because the there is some reality to their interactions together, does that mean that, like, this is actually more realistic? I don't know. I'm still giving it a five. Um, for scares, I give this a six, um, cause this movie really freaks me out. Um, I found it very startling and, um, and just like very tension building, uh, especially after like it, it comes in really hot in the beginning and then just this like constant dread and the daughter's getting like just bombarded with crap all the time. Yeah. Um, and I also think, like, the idea that all of these people that aren't real people keep showing up and, and scaring them is, like, is very spooky. Um, <laughs> so, so I gave it a pretty high score. And for shakes, I, had, I upped it during our conversation. I think I'm going to give it a six because I really, mm. again, like, I appreciate this movie a lot more on a second watch. Um, and, and a lot of it has really been sticking with me, especially the idea of like, even if you don't believe like these things are still real and like, it just freaks out like my, my nightmares where I'm like having all these scary Mm -hmm. nightmares and I'm like, uh, are these real or is it just a dream? And it's just like the idea of that is like very spooky to me. Um, so Mm -hmm. I feel like it's really resonating with me a lot more. What was that number? A six. A six. I mean, if you moved your five to a six, it would be a six, six, six. I'm just saying. <gasps> That's too scary. <laughs> too spooky. <laughs> uh, Nikisha. Okay, for skulls, I'm going to give it a five because the only person that I was like, what the hell are you doing, was really kind of the brother. And I guess the mom communicating, too, because she wasn't communicating. Although she had the diary. We didn't even talk about that. And it's like, maybe you could write this down, but you can't say these things to your kids? Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was crazy. Um, Scares, I gave it a four. If I had watched this without watching the other stuff that I had watched before, then it probably would have been a little lower. But it was just a lot of gore, and it was just a little too much for me. So, yeah, a four. (laughs) And shakes, I'm just going to go with my initial feeling and I'll give it a two. So you can put first watch in parentheses for Nikisha. <laughs> but um, Shakes is a, is a two for me. Sure. Um, I gave this a six for Skulls because I tend to lean on the side of like, they were acting like people. Like, mm-hmm. even though like they could have been better at it. Um, scares, I'll give this a five. Um, I, I think a lot of this is still pretty scary and it sticks with me. Um, and seven, uh, excuse me, for Shakes, maybe this is a six. Um, uh, on shakes because you know I remember that opening very vividly. I forgot a little mm. bit about it. I remember. Oh, excuse me, <laughs> just a yawn. Maybe this movie was boring. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean uh, I would give it a six because I also remember the finger cutting scene and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I also think Marin Ireland's um performance in this is really really good. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, let's hear some suggestions. Woohoo. Um, I have two suggestions. Because of the the one day at a time thing, for some reason it brought me back to advent calendar, so I'm gonna throw that <laughs> in there. Oh man. And also, you know, if you like goats, VVH. <laughs> if you like goats. If you like goats. Who VVH. doesn't like goats? <laughs> well, on that note, I'll give mine. Uh, I went the goat route. 
Um, so I chose <laughs> yes. A- A24's Lamb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, too funny. Jamie, what about you? I went with uh, movies that I feel like have really bleak endings uh, and maybe have some possession elements. Uh, so sorry for the spoilers. Uh, I went with The Offering and mm. The Skeleton Key. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Skeleton Key. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. A wide variety uh, of yeah, options. For Days, sure, for real. goats, unhappy endings. <laughs> 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 Wonderful. Okay, well, I think that wraps up this episode of The Dark and The Wicked. You can follow us on all social medias. The ones that Brian mentioned earlier, the TikToks, the Instagram, the Twitter, the threads, all the things at Talk Horror Pod, P O D. And Brian, where can they listen to us? Sure, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. So you can listen to us and watch us on YouTube. Hi again, YouTube. Um, hey, ooh, horror. <laughs> uh, and then you can also, I don't know, uh, you can also find us wherever you get your podcast. So, um, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, rate and review us there. Uh, five stars, please. And um, thank you. Thank you. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, fantastic. Do we have a sign off that we want to give? Yeah, chop, Jamie, chop, could, chop. Could you sing your Doja Cat song again? Chop, chop, chop. Oh, I only remember what I said. Bitch, I said what I said. I'd rather be demon instead. Yeah! yeah. (laughs) That's gorgeous. I love it. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.